The Great Improbability. This is part four of the audio drama. It has crossed my mind There's so little time That we lived In the sweet forever The Great Improbability An autobiographical mystery by the people of Earth David Sayer, author Cabot's Head, 1977. In some years, the ocean builds more shore than it takes, and in others, it carries more away. Its prevailing effect over centuries, on the long coast wandering from Cape Hatteras down east to Bar Harbor, is to add to the southeastern beaches at the expense of northeastern promontories. Nor'easters are a different breed of storm along the shore and strike with a special fury in the New England winters. Thus more than one lighthouse has toppled at last into the surf and a few moved inland by nostalgic mainlanders and many homes and fishermen's shacks and cottages and hopes pulled forever beneath the predatory sea. For Thomas Cabot Brigham III and his parents and their friends, this long stretch of coast was a summer playground to be sailed along and sported in and partied upon during the warm seasons of the mid-20th century. I make no moral judgment in this. My wife Elsa and I have served the Brigham since we were young. We met in this very beach house and were married here in Mrs. Brigham's rose garden by a friend of the family. They have treated us kindly and in a way, respectfully, and we share their comforts. Now Dr. Adams has asked me to write to him what I know of Mr. Tom's early years. I hope it may help, though he does seem so far beyond our reach now. Ah, I miss him. That handsome little boy, all curly blonde hair and blue eyes, racing and tumbling into the surf, swimming like a dolphin, chasing fiddler crabs on our beach, sneaking into my garage, taking things apart to see how they work. And I miss his girlfriends, too, I suppose, as he was growing up. Pretty girls, always. Some nice to Elsa and me, some not so nice. But he had such promise. How could he? Oh, well, I'll write down what I can remember. I'll start when he came home from law school that awful summer. Until then, he seemed healthy and mostly happy, I think. I have considered it fair to add to my own memories the insights of my wife and of the others who work here. We all see and hear much more than the family realizes, because our presence is so routine and so discreet and so forgotten. It was not always thus. The Cabots and the Brighams had arrived late to this prosperity, coming from different lands and with different names, 
crossing into the primordial soup of New York with the waves of other immigrants, and returning only a few generations ago to the coast, victorious in commerce. The long struggle of the two families bought luxury for their progeny, as they had dreamed it might. Until his troubles, Mr. Tom could walk the sands below his mother's summer home on Cabot's Head in comfort and privacy. And so he did, most evenings of the 1977 summer. Hey, sis, it's me. Deb, what's it like? My God, you wouldn't believe this. I'm on the phone in my room, which I think is on the third floor. I lost track. The place is huge. It goes on and on, and they just call it the beach house. Is Tom there? No, he's changing. God, they all change clothes for everything. I should have brought a trunk. Sis, it's real spooky. I'll never be able to sleep tonight. Maybe Tom will help. Oh, God, I don't know. He's so moody. One minute he's real attentive and affectionate, and the next you know he's silent and looking off into space. I mean, I still like him, but I really feel like his date of the week. You know he had a driver pick me up and bring me here? (laughs) Called me Miss Deborah. I never saw Tom until I was ushered into the parlor, or whatever they call it. Jeez. Well, Deb, make the most of it. Think how many girls would give anything to be in your shoes. And remember everything. Okay, I gotta go. Dinner's at eight and Tom will come get me, I hope. I'll never find the dining room myself. I'll call tomorrow. Wish me luck. Mr. Tom's family had occupied their beach house enough summers to witness the ocean's inexorable digestion of shorefront. But they were high above the surf and well back. Moreover, the ultimate arbiter of risk, Prudential Property Insurance Company, had not raised their premium in years. I know, because Elsa pays the bills. And further relieved any anxieties with its intrepid logo at the corner of every invoice. The old house had stood for 80 years, through hurricanes and blizzards, and seemed a permanent part of the land. But nature dislikes steep gradients, and time is hard on privilege. The moral foundation on which Mr. Tom and the rest of us had assumed the family's fortune to be built was suffering from deferred maintenance. Somehow, I imagine at the firm, he had chanced upon evidence of this, and a virus of suspicion seemed to infect a back corner of his otherwise placid and indifferent mind. Slowly, I believe, this built-up anxiety and depression felt probably for the first time in his brief and sheltered life but I don't think that's what pushed him over the edge. Sis, it's me. I survived. Okay, I know you got a no, so yeah, we slept together. But it wasn't great. He's gorgeous, of course. Nothing wrong, really. But he seems, like, haunted. This whole place seems haunted. I'm shivering just talking about it. When you look in his eyes, I don't know. It's like something awful is going to happen to him, and he knows it. No, that's just it. He doesn't talk about anything real. He tells you you're beautiful, and he's so glad you're there and all that. But it's like he isn't really there himself. Like he's looking beyond you to something else, and it it scares him. I'm still jealous. I know. I should be thrilled, I guess. But this morning, I actually started feeling sorry for him. He's got everything, but something important is missing. Maybe you can fill it in. 
Sure, you think that when you first get to know him, like maybe I can help him or get him to stretch out of that, like, perfect shell. But I'd be scared to try. The closer you get to him, the harder it is to see him. I still don't have any idea what's important to him or who he's really close to. I can't imagine having to build a real relationship with him. Anyway, we're off to play some golf. Love you. Call you tomorrow. It seemed to me that Mr. Tom had been walking along the veneer of the world, solving only those mysteries that stood in his way. His trail had been blazed by his grandfather, groomed and paved over by his father, presented with his name. I sometimes watched as he walked the beach at night. He looked down, mostly. Ahead his path was all laid out, along the beach, down the highway in my car, and home again at night, up the elevator, through the offices, all determined, all closed in, comfortable, secure. Not so unlike me, after all, without the pain of decision. Hey, sis, me again. We had fun today. He knows I love golf, so he says there's a course across the street. Turns out it's their private course. Oh, well, he says, it's only nine holes. So after golf, I tell him, let's go for a swim. Anything to get his shirt off. Anyway, we played sports all day, and it was good for both of us. Golf and swimming and sailing and tennis. What a blast. I'm exhausted. Oh, Debs, you're such a jock. Yeah, I'm sure that's why he likes me. (laughs) But listen, here's the good part. He really loosened up when we got going, laughed and raced and fooled around in the surf, took a picnic out on the boat, and had a great supper at a little restaurant in town. He's a great athlete and really funny once he relaxes, and I don't know, it was just a really nice day. Deborah, are you falling in love? Oh God, I hope not. I really don't know where I stand with him or even how I feel myself. I'll think about it tomorrow, as Scarlet would say. Jeez, it's like a museum, I guess, but get this. On the way down to supper, we pass this humongous oak door, a double door, all hand-carved with animal heads and hunters and hounds and stuff, and this huge, ugly-stuffed boar's head at the top. So, of course, I want to go in and see what's inside, but Tom says no. Nobody ever goes in there except his father and his friends and Elsa, who brings them food and drinks. It's the bridge room, he says. (laughs) Is there a bridge in there, I say, half expecting a private bridge out over the bay. But no, Tom laughs at me. It's where his father entertains his bridge club and other special visitors when it's his turn, and otherwise it's kept locked. Does he ever go in the bridge room? No. Does his mother? No. Just Elsa. Of course I reach for the big brass doorknob, but it doesn't turn. Locked up, like he said, waiting for the next bridge club meeting. It seemed so silly, like a boy's tree house with the rope ladder pulled up. I started to giggle, but Tom looked serious, so I tried to be respectful. What a riot! Call me tomorrow. Of course! Thanks for being there, sis. Depression twists the mind in on itself, Dr. Adams says. Mr. Tom had encountered himself on this beach, coming and going involuntarily with the summer breeze, carried along between events, 
caught in the instant of present between a future he could not grasp and a past he could not hold. Though the journey seems long It doesn't take long To realize the song Always has an ending Here in the sweet forever Appearing in Part 4 of The Great Improbability were Dennis Johnson, Dennis Kleinman, Bridget Abreu, and Laura Messner. Produced by Dennis Collins Johnson.